This episode of the Rooted Network podcast is brought to you by Chaplin, helping churches live in the digital age. Want a better website or marketing campaign for your church or ministry? Text ROOTED to 38470 for more information. Hey, welcome to the Rooted Network podcast. I'm the host, Stephen Miller, and I'm joined today by Michael Bethany, uh, the worship pastor at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Good, good. So glad that you're uh, joining us today. Um, tell us a little about your story, about how you got here to Oak Cliff Bible, how long you've been leading worship, your man, family, all that jazz. That is a very long story. <laughs> we don't have enough time, but I'll, I'll give you the cliff note version i'm from st louis which yeah, you're man. familiar with yep and uh and so my father how i got here really starts with him because he was a pastor okay. pk and so my life has been the church since i could remember anything um and so that kind of just kind of carried through as a thing in my whole life it just i always remain in some role when my father passed away in 2000 um, I continue serving in ministry at high levels of leadership for any pastor leading worship. And so what I did for my dad, I led worship for him. I was over his choir, I preached for him. I did all that stuff and I just kept doing it. Mm. Um, the, the interesting thing, of course, is doing it in St. Louis is a lot different than doing it in Dallas. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> um, and so I, I got to Dallas in 2006 and, um, and, and added to what, what I was doing locally, like in the local church, I started doing like the national music thing and the industry thing with Fred Hammond and Kirk Franklin and then Tamala Mann and Marvin Sapp. And the list just keeps going legends. on and on. Yeah. Just legends and, legends and gospel yeah. music. And uh, toured all over the world. And and, and um, so that kind of helped broaden, you know, my horizons and helped me to broaden what I did. And, and along with that, leading church worship and and different cultures and different you know demographics and different races and and kind of leaving that small where i came from pentecostal black church model into the world mm. what's really going on yeah other places and so all of that leads me to Oak cliff bible fellowship yeah and um one day i was uh, coming home from a tour i was on one of my first personal tours i went to london birmingham england sri lanka when I came home, Anthony Evans called me and said, I'd like you to meet my dad. Mm. I think we, we really could uh, benefit from what you do. And we met, and I'm here. It's awesome, man. 2013, that meeting happened in the summer, and yeah, almost four years later, I'm still here. It's amazing, man. It's pretty amazing, yeah. I've done a few events with your dad. Um, or not with you, with 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 your pastor Anthony's dad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, and uh, you're like your dad. <laughs> well, he's kind of a type of dad. <laughs> with with Tony Evans, Doctor Tony Evans. Yeah. Uh, and just have such a massive respect for him. And then this past weekend, Anthony uh, was at our church, uh, leading for our men's conference. And mm. man, that guy, he can sing. He can. Uh, it's unbelievable how, yeah, how incredible that guy is, and and Lee just steward the room. Yeah, uh, it's 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 amazing. So, great love for your church, great love for your pastor, and obviously great love for you. And and so, man, I'm I'm just glad that we can have this conversation today. And yeah, um, 
So, so you go and you're on the road with guys like Fred Hammond, Kirk Franklin, you know, and then you come back to the local church. Yeah. And the, it's just a totally different experience, right? Or yeah. How, how does that feel like jumping in and out of both worlds? Well, you know what really stands out to me is the way I was doing it. Mm. You know, I'm on tour. Like, I'm doing the McDonald's tour 2012. <laughs> it's, you know, Fred Hammond, Myron Butler. Oh, I can't even remember the people on, on that. By, Byron Cage. You know, just all the top-tier mm-hmm. gospel artists. But when I came home, I was worship pastor at High Point Church. Yeah. Which was a predominantly white church huh. where... We didn't do gospel music. <laughs> so I would be on tour and we're like, you know, we're singing, Are you ready for your blessing? And we're just going crazy. And I'm, ah! all, all that kind of stuff. And then I come home on Sunday and it's like, What are you turning to? Yeah. You know? How great <laughs> is our God. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's, and yeah. the cool thing about that for me personally was I loved that life because I got to live in two different cultural worlds yeah. that I I really loved. Yeah. I love both of them. Yeah. And it also I could come home on fifty percent yeah. and do a great job at church. <laughs> you know, because look, gospel it's music easier. is hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know what we were doing was was it was fairly simple. Yeah. So oh, yeah. That was that's what stands out to me, but it's very different. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a black church, white church, the industry and church are two different things. Sure. And, yeah. and, and even though we're glorifying God, the premise is so different, you yeah. know. So, but it was valuable to me because it really elevated my vision for production mm-hmm. and great music, and and part of it changed kind of what I I sought to do in the local church, which is to bring some of the value from that into the local church because, you know, the same people who attend your church are the same people that want to go to that concert. Mm-hmm. So it's not a different audience. Right. It And it's just people appreciate it. It's just finding that balance between a show and a worship service, making sure that the service remains sacred. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it doesn't have to be boring. And right. It doesn't have to be dull. It doesn't have to be... Uh, mediocre. It can still be excellent and great. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I took from those two parallel experiences. Yeah. And so now that's shaped the way that you're shepherding your team and your church here at Oak yeah. Cliff. Uh, what does that look like? Because this is this church is very multicultural, multi generational. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, how, how does not that... as much multiracial? Sure. Certainly multi generational. Sure. I mean, forty years old. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, for a church 40, I mean, church was started in 78. Yeah. It's 2017. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest, you know, challenge here is just a generational challenge. Right. Um, we, we Multicultural, I think that's a relative term too. Sure, yeah. Even with, within a race, you have multicultural. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think all of that, but what I'm, what I bring here is because I grew up with the old school Mm -hmm. I get it Mm -hmm. and because I've been on the road and I've traveled I get that 
and because I've been worship pastor, worship leader in other cultures and other races, you know, predominantly white churches, I get that. Mm -hmm. So when I come here, what's in me, and not only that, I got I got to bring to that the cultural experience from corporate America where I worked for years. Right. Yeah. You know, as electrical designer. Mm -hmm. You know, so like you bring that in, and that's kind of how you see the world. Yeah. That's how things work, and when mm -hmm. you start to organize something. You're going to organize it based on those experiences. Yeah. And and so, yeah, how, how I'm shepherding the people in, in, that serve under me, that, that I serve. Yeah. And this church is is um, heavily, it's all those experiences filter into that. But I think one of my biggest things is worship is intimate first, but it's not intimate only. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is intimate first because it is based in a relationship with you and Jesus and doesn't get any more intimate than that. Mm. But what you bring to the worship experience in the context of the church has a lot of natural facets to it. Yeah. And I think the question of how well and how excellent and to what degree are you going to execute these things? Mm -hmm. To me, I, I look at the Old Testament to, to get some philosophy on that. And, and I really draw a lot of that from, you know, the book of Leviticus and Exodus and, and, and how I see the Levitical, you know, priesthood develop and how particular things were done in the tab tabernacle or the temple of David. There was no such thing as mediocre. Yeah, absolutely. Everything had to be done a certain way. Yeah. I think that elevates the intimacy because the intentionality that you put and invest and what will be the most beautiful moment yeah. is culminating. It is, it is everything that you've invested in. It is the, the sweat, the blood, the tears, the effort. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, that, and all those things, to me, it, it just it's indicative of your, of your heart mm -hmm. for the one you're doing it for. Yeah, yeah. So I think, um, I think that's what I try to bring to this. And so if you're going to put something, and this is how I say, if you're going to put something on this stage, it needs to be intimate. It needs to be real, but it needs to be great. Yeah. Absolutely. If you're seeking anything less than intimacy surrounded by greatness, mm. then you're going to miss the mark every single time. Mm. I think as much as God loves us, God doesn't accept whatever we want on our standards because right. we don't get to set the standards for anything. Mm. And somehow people want to pass in the area of worship. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and I think that's a that's unfortunate. Yeah. And I hope hope I'm able to effectively communicate that yeah. and, and put that into the culture here. Yeah, we talk about that a lot around Prestonwood, uh, the 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 value of excellence and how we value that in every other area of our life. Like I would not take my kids or myself to a dentist that didn't know how to properly work on teeth. Yeah. in a way that was not going to harm me or cause me pain or give me a jacked up mouth or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? I want the best dentist that I can get, right? Or CPA, you know, you're not going to go to a CPA who really doesn't know tax law, <laughs> doesn't know tax code, going to get you in trouble with. We we look for excellence everywhere we go. That's right. You don't want to go to a restaurant that's just kind of eh, you know, you right. want to go to a great restaurant. And so at what point do we decide, well, this is church, so God accepts me no matter how good or how bad I am, and therefore it doesn't have to be great. You yeah. know? Um, 
And so we talk about that a lot because you talk about the intimacy and the greatness and all of that. There's a corporate sense of 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 corporate worship, right? Yeah, the corporateness of we're all flawed people coming into this place and we are so easily distracted as human beings. And there is an enemy who is trying to play on our weak flesh and and get us off to where we're not focusing on the greatness and the glory of God. And if he can use a bad worship element to do that or a, a flat vocalist or a terrible keyboard player or a you know, bad graphic on the screen or something, you know, all, whatever it is, mm-hmm. we're naturally going to be distracted away from the supernatural nature of God. And, uh, and so I think it's our obligation as, as worship pastors to bring excellence. Well, to you, the Lord. you, you've got to, you, I, I think of David playing for Saul mm-hmm. and it, and the Bible says that he played skillfully. Yep. And I think there's a lot of thing that presupposes that he had a significant investment, mm-hmm. and we know he did, mm-hmm. and preparing for the moment that he played skillfully before a, I will call Saul the pastor or the leader mm-hmm. or the elite, whatever you want to call it. But he played skillfully there. Now, what was what was the result of his skillful playing? The Spirit of God was able to elevate that natural talent and investment into something that would have spiritual, you know, result, mm-hmm. and that an evil spirit responded, yeah, in submission mm-hmm. to him doing what he did in a skillful way. Yeah, to me, I think I I don't I don't think I'm reading anything into this text because it, it just pretty much it is what it is. God used a prepared person. Yeah, God used a person who invested enough in a particular thing. To make it useful for something very supernatural. Mm. Unfortunately, people don't see that in the Bible. <clears throat> they skip past that <laughs> and they go on to something else. And it's all about the grace of Jesus. Sure. And because of the grace of God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He showed his love for us. And that becomes the standard of excellence, too. Mm-hmm. Because it says, you know, while we were sinners, God loves us. So it doesn't matter. I mean, God loves us and God loves us. Like, hold on a second. Read the whole book. Right. Not only does God love us while the sinners, but he still calls us to walk worthy Mm -hmm. of the call we've been called to. Mm -hmm. So whether it is in your life, whether it is in your your morality or your work, there is a certain standard that God has always held to. And I think it's important not to forget the Old Testament because we're in the New Covenant. Don't forget the Old Testament is the context for the new. If you don't understand it, you can't appreciate what Christ did. Understanding that God has not changed and the God who requires so much mm-hmm. from those people in those times still requires it. Thank God for Jesus yeah. for being in the middle for us right. and being our propitiation so that we don't have to do some of the things that they were asked to do. And it was never that they could meet that standard, but it did prove out this is who I am as God. Yeah. He's I deserve it. He I deserves it. It's, and I will not compromise yeah, yeah. my standard. Yeah. Well, and you look at it, I mean, it's he's deserving. And so our excellence is, is almost an apologetic for his excellence. Indeed. When you look at him creating the world, you know, six days and there's morning and evening. And at the end of every day, he said, it is good. He didn't yeah. say, eh. <laughs> That'll get the job done. Right. You know? Right. When I'm driving down the toll road... And, and there's this magnificent sunset. Like there was a creator God who did that with excellence and thought, you yeah. know. When I'm at the base of a mountain and it's snow-capped and it's just perfect, or I'm on a, a, a white sands beach or, 
I'm in a city that's hundreds of years old with architecture and just, I mean, so much culture. And there's forethought, there's excellence, there's planning, there's skill that goes into uh, me seeing the beauty and the magnificence and the glory of God that he's infused into all of creation. Absolutely. Uh, he doesn't do anything halfway. And he's created us to be creators. That's right. And he's created us with excellence so that we might be excellent in reflecting his excellence. And that's using no, that word right. way too much. But right. We uh, are a reflection of him ultimately. Yeah. And so I think if every if in everything we do, we bear that in mind that what I do is a reflection of him, mm-hmm. then maybe we would take a little bit more effort yeah you know and invest that into yeah. what we're doing if but i just phone it in what is that saying about god's character exactly is he worthy of my time and my attention and my devotion and you know my, a friend of mine was kidding around and this is i certainly don't mean this in a legalistic way it was just funny he, he said that uh his mother like you know we're at this they had this easter service and he had a tennis shoes and he said, uh, son, isn't the law worthy of a nice pair of shoes and slacks? <laughs> it's kind of funny in that environment, but in an, just tongue in cheek. But the reality is, isn't he worthy of a little effort? Mm-hmm. Isn't God worthy of a little bit extra? Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. I think he, he absolutely is. And that doesn't mean that you have to have a huge budget and a full band and, you know, you know, intelligent lighting and all of that. It just means that God wants your heart and he wants your effort. Right. I think whatever you have, if it's the widow's might, if it's a, it's a, if it's a value truly, mm-hmm. invest it. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing with Ananias and Sapphira. If you're holding back mm-hmm. and you know you're holding back, if all you have is a good tar and you won't practice it, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think all God's asking for is an offering that is sincerely and truly your best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. That's it. And that's, I think, that's the, that's, the de- that's the definition of excellence to me. Because yeah. I can grade it on a curve. Mm-hmm. If you're in a place and you're using your resources and you're doing the best you can, I think that's excellent. Yeah. And, yeah. I can, and, and we can tell the difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, we, we kind of, and you may, may or may not agree with this, but I'd love to kind of talk about it. But I sort of... I live by this idea that excellence is sort of the great equalizer. So like if I'm doing something and maybe it's not your cup of tea, but I'm doing it well, yeah, you can appreciate that. And so whenever you look at a, a multi-generational or a multicultural church, uh, or I mean, just whatever that multi thing is, right? Everyone's not coming from this homogenous place, yeah. right? Yeah. Excellence does sort of level the playing field for people to be able to kind of all enter in sure. to the same to the same game, if you will, you know. Um, talk about that a little bit. How have you seen that kind of play out here and, and anywhere that you've been um, as far as helping you to relate to the people who maybe, maybe someone wants to sing old hymns and you're singing the old hymn but in a new way. Or maybe someone wants to sing that traditional gospel stuff and you're singing you know, a Tomlin song or, or whatever that might look like. Uh, talk about that a little bit. You know, I think um, I see that from two different vantage points, of course, in church, but also see it from that of an artist because I've been both, mm-hmm. right, from the industry standpoint. Yeah. And I think whatever is done well is appreciated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have to like it to appreciate it. Right. 
doesn't have to be my preference. I can, but I can tell the difference between, you know, the real thing and something fake. And I, and, um, I, I think what you're saying is very, very true. The, the worst thing I think you can do is be an imposter. Mm. Is to print, pretend to be something that you're not, and not and so, and obviously, you know, not be good at that, <laughs> in hopes of winning over somebody. Yeah, uh, it's best to be yourself. It's best to do what you've been gifted and talented to do very well, and let that speak for itself, and let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. And I found as an artist, and as a worship leader in the church, that if you do that. You're gonna be fine. Yeah. And 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 okay. So in the context of kind of looking at the multicultural, multi like a multiracial, you know, part of it. You know, I, I've got a lot of friends. You know, in I would say, for the lack of better terms, everyone will know what I mean when I say white church. Most everyone's white. Sure. And it's, it goes the same thing, same way for churches where most people are black. Yeah. If you start trying to do things you don't execute well, right, it becomes a distraction. Right. If it's a distraction, it's not useful to God and others. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I think that's just another another way of understanding and just wrapping your mind around, you know, doing something well and having excellence in it is an equalizer. You're not going to please everybody, mm-hmm. but you can effectively help us enter into worship. Right. Uh, I've done like I've done songs. Um, I've got one song on my album called Yours Forever and I've done it in any environment. Mm-hmm. I've done it in white for white folks, I've done it for black folks, I've done it in <laughs> Japan for people who don't even know English, <laughs> I've done it in Sri Lanka, I've done it in the Netherlands. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And the response is always the same. So that taught me something. Do it from your heart, do it with excellence, mm-hmm. and no matter where you are, be who you are yeah. and be the best version of that. And let the Holy Spirit use it. Mm. Not only is excellence a great equalizer, but the heart behind it allows the Holy Spirit to be the greatest translator ever. Right. Yeah. Because he translates into spiritual language and, and, and sensory where people can hear and feel mm-hmm. and sense and discern mm-hmm. what it is that you're doing, yeah. even if I don't like it or understand it totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you ever heard of the term of the phrase "What's from the heart reaches the heart"? Mm, yeah. What's from the spirit bears witness with the spirit, and what we're doing should be a spirit-filled um, experience. And if that's what it is, and it's not a distraction, it will transcend a lot of barriers, yeah, and yeah. obstacles, and reach and help us all to enter into worship. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say, because I, I mean, I, I think for the most part, the people who are listening to this podcast are worship leaders, but I imagine that there, there are a few pastors as well. Um, to the pastor who's looking to try to break down some of those barriers as well, and potentially even use worship to do that, um, you know, you you have this great relationship with Dr. Evans here. Y'all, y'all work hand in hand, right? I have the yeah. same with our pastors at Prestonwood. Uh, and we're trying to do the things that we can do to reach as many people as possible, right? And we want our church to reflect the kingdom of God. A few years back, uh, I, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but my my, uh, my band was playing on the Fox Morning Show in St. Louis. And uh, this football player, Hall of Famer, Aeneas Williams was on. He was planting a church and he was on the show. And after we got done playing, uh, he came up to me and he said, 
man, I've been looking for some Caucasian brothers who could come and be musicians in my church. And uh, do you know anybody that you could, you know, connect me with? And I laughed because, I mean, I'm like, hey, man, well, you know, we're in the same boat because I'm looking for some non-Caucasian brothers to come and help us to be more uh, cross-racial, cross-cultural, cross-generational, all of that. And so it's, it's funny because the question is not just a question that musicians and worship leaders are asking, but it's really the heart, I think, of, of, a, of a great pastor is to reach as many people as possible and to not let the barriers of race or age or whatever um, limit people from hearing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And how does our church most reflect the kingdom of God? Um, I know we're struggling with this and wrestling through these questions and all that kind of thing like that at Prestonwood. Um, but what does that look like for you guys here? And what would you say to the pastor who's trying to, to do that as well? You know, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is some you've people attract who they are. And so I don't I think that's a relative thing. It's like you got to be OK with that mm. because your audience is where you're going to be impactful and effective. Mm-hmm. And that's OK. If that if your audience doesn't look like something you wish it would, sometimes you gotta let that go and be <laughs> effective with that audience. Sure. Yeah. There may sometimes be overlap opportunities. Yeah. But your message is to a particular individual. And if that's mostly black people in a particular community, sure. That might be okay. Yeah. And that, I mean, that certainly is relative. Like, up in North Dallas, there's not quite... I mean, it's it's, pri, it's predominantly Caucasian. It's predominantly white folks. It's where they live. Right? As sort of, you know... Or, or you know, Asian, uh, Indian, uh, you know, that, that sort of uh, a big-time population up in, in North Dallas. Whereas South Dallas is maybe a little different, right? Right. Maybe a little more Hispanic, maybe a little more African-American, you know... Um, and so you're probably not expecting a massive influx no. of white folks walking into your church on Sunday morning. We get some of that. Yeah. But... Yeah. Any more than we would be expecting to have, yeah. you know, a ton. Yeah. So and I think you, and you can't allow that expectation to cause you to totally miss the reality of where you are. I mean, I'm in Oak Cliff. Yeah. So... My expectation should be whatever the demographics are in this area, mm-hmm. I should expect to see those people on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. As diverse as that may or may not be, that's my audience. Sure. If I'm hoping that people from South Lake will drive <laughs> to me <laughs> yeah. so that I would have what looks like heaven yeah. in Oak Cliff, I'm not being realistic. Yeah. But then I so that this is a first thing. So so for a pastor, I think don't allow marketing or watching things on television to make you think this is what it is. Or even the whole mega church thing. Mm-hmm. Don't don't be deceived by that. Mm. Most churches aren't that. Mm. And they'll never be, and I don't think intended to be that. Mm. I think it's, be, be okay with what the measure that God's giving you mm. and, and maximize that because the kingdom, God, the kingdom of God successfully is a compilation or, or it, it is a collection of all of these different facets. It's mm-hmm. all weaved into the tapestry 
of heaven or the kingdom of God when you're there doing it well and I'm over here doing it well and I never see you but we're connected that's the invisible church I mean there are people across this world doing phenomenal ministry with everyone in the church that only look like them and that's okay <laughs> I love it yeah yeah but there are some people who are called to bring about unity in, in unique ways and when you're called to do that I believe that God confirms that and mm. God, and then it's in the same way you attract it. Mm. You attract who you are. Mm. So, so is, is it weird for me to be here with you, Steve? Is it weird for me to be at South Lake with Mark Harris? Is it weird for me to go lunch with Mike Neal? Is that weird for me? No, it's normal for me because that's my personal culture. Right, right. As it's 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 just like language. Do you speak English? Do you? Do you, yeah. do, you, do you speak homeboy? Do you speak? I know that's not. I know, <laughs> that's, speak I know that yeah. may make people feel uncomfortable, but the language you speak right. attracts a certain audience. Yeah, to you. yeah. So we speak common languages. Yeah. So we're going to talk. Yeah. And I think that's okay. Yeah. And I think for I think the question for a person that wants to do that and achieve it is to ask themselves, what language do I speak? Mm. And what is the demographic of people who will understand this language? Who am I really? Mm-hmm. And, and what's being attracted to me? Because that's more about influence and how God will use these things for the kingdom. Um, I think it's a it's a mistake if the idea is I want to find a white guy or a Mexican guy with, who plays a guitar and put him on my stage and hope that people that look like him want to come here. Mm. If when you speak the language, you still speak Chinese. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter what he sings. Yeah. yeah. We're not dumb. Yeah. Yeah. You're not speaking my language. I'm not going to show up and like, hey, I don't understand a thing you're saying. I don't really get it. All right. But I love that guy singing on but the guitar. I love it, that and guy. that's enough for me. Like, that's yeah. all I, that's not yeah. cool. Yeah. That's good. That's so really I think, good. I think it has to be tested. But God is faithful. Yeah. And I think he will confirm mm. what's in you. And he will often do that by providing to you. Mm. And I think many times what you're provided, we may be in a bit of an identity crisis. And it's either one of two things. It's what God's sending or what you're attracting. Mm. Yeah. And I think... In one way or another, you have to either be okay with what God provides, and then you have to test and question what you're attracting. Mm. And if you can align your heart with God's, you will attract what God intends. Mm. Sometimes it's changes that need to be made in us through sanctification mm-hmm. and through our character that will attract to us the right things yeah. and and push away the things that shouldn't be around us. Right. And either of those Things coming together will help us, I think, to be effective where we're called to be with the audience we're called mm-hmm. to minister to. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah, I think that there's uh, a lot of wisdom in in just learning to be who who God's called you to be and He's gifted you to be, and being okay with that. And that's in, in a lot of different areas, right? Not just this area of racial diversity or whatever. Like, to what level is your church? going to grow you know and so many guys are wanting to be just have these massive ministries and things like that you know and Mm -hmm. if I just do this this and this and then they end up they're setting themselves up for a lot of heartache and and pain you know and so I think uh I I really resonate with that it's almost like um there is a lot of external pressure sometimes I feel I feel very much um I feel very passionate about 
um, racial reconciliation in particular. Yeah. And so obviously that's that's very dear to my heart. It's very, I mean, it's central to this ministry, Rooted Network. Um, but, you know, I, I, I have to be realistic to what extent that is going to be found in my local church. Certainly not as a ministry of our local church, right? Yeah. I mean, we are going to do whatever we can do to to be agents of reconciliation in this world that God's called us to be, right? Well, I think you're but, absolutely right. And I think at the same time, I, I think one thing you said was so powerful is you can't you can't resolve or meet all the issues of racial reconciliation within the context of your local church, and you shouldn't try. Correct. Because you got to get outside of your local right. church to do yeah. that. Yeah. So you know, whatever this church is, it serves its purpose, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't. It should not end there. The it, church is not the gathering on Sunday. The yes. church is the sending of the people into the workplace, exactly. into their neighborhoods, into their movie theaters, into their exactly. wherever. And so that's part of. I mean, that's a big part of it, right? right? We may not. Uh, you know, I mean, I hope that you'll come worship with me some Sunday morning at, at Prestonwood, right? But, yeah. but I mean, on a week-to-week basis, that so I, I, I feel, uh, you know, you've really gifted me just in this last 20 minutes with a little bit of a burden up on my shoulders, right? Because I, re- I recognize that, yeah, I, I really don't have to try to force something that maybe may I, I may not see happen, you know, in my tenure at Preston. But what's beautiful is the drive you took to this side of town to hang out and talk with me and provide this conversation for your listeners is even more impactful Mm. towards the efforts of racial reconciliation than what you're doing at your church on Sunday. Mm. And those aren't the same thing, but your Mm. heart and passion for the church caused you to come here and do this. Our conversation, this, and things like this. Hey, I'm not kind of. I'm not moving in with you guys. <laughs> I don't need to. Yeah. We just need to have coffee. Coffee, man. Yeah. I mean, and if we can do more coffee, we will change the world. Yeah, man. Because hey, people having coffee together and talking over lunch aren't fighting. That's right. They're loving each other, mm-hmm. and that will naturally lead to amazing opportunities. Yeah. And and, and it's not the big things. It's the small things mm-hmm. that make the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. If you can cover the world with small things, mm-hmm. like small acts of kindness, small yeah. acts of bridging gaps, mm-hmm. just saying something, saying hello, starting a conversation with someone that doesn't look like you mm. might be a huge win. Yeah. Yep. In a in a victory in that area. So. And you recognize in those circumstances, you you can it's a lot easier to see the similarities that you have, right? And so, uh, man, I love that. I, I hope for way more of these conversations, more coffee. I wish we had coffee right I now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but Listen, you know, what? time flies when you're having fun. It's this true. has been great. And I, I, I think I, one thing that about this conversation that's really inspired me um, is just having the opportunity just to sit here with you and get to know you. Yeah. I look forward to doing a lot more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think these conversations move us forward and endear us to each other in a way um, that gets me excited. Yeah. You know, and and then when we get the opportunity to, to worship together, yeah, 
I mean, people will understand the excitement. Yeah. We, we will. Yeah. And I, I yeah. kind of get excited about that. So don't yeah. don't mark off the whole me coming to Preston <laughs> thing. No, you're coming, I'm, man. I'm coming. You're coming. And I think you're going to be with me in a couple of days. <laughs> I'll, I'll be here. I'll be here. <laughs> love it. I love it, man. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much for this time together. Uh, listeners, love for you to go on to iTunes, leave a review. Uh, rate uh, the the uh, Rooted Network podcast, and then there's so much more at rootednetwork.org. Articles there, uh, previous podcasts, all kinds of things like that. We'd love to to stay in touch with you. So connect with us on there or on social media, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks.